you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 45 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith, and thank you as I always say, for praying for me and my family and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall, the Fourth Watch Radio Network. We appreciate your prayers so, so much. Thank you for that support. Well, in episode 45, I'll be giving you an audio version of chapter 10 of my book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. Chapter 10 is entitled Trailers for the Main Attraction, and it deals with the issue of spiritual gifts. In this episode, I'll answer questions such as, what are the gifts of the Spirit? What is the nature of the gifts? What are the purpose of the gifts? What is the duration of the gifts? Can people have only one gift? And how can we discover our gifts? If you're blessed by this episode, first, please consider subscribing on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith, and leaving a rating and review. Also, you can purchase a copy of my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ on Amazon. And again, if it's a blessing to you, if you've read it or if you've heard it, I just really want to encourage you to leave a review on Amazon and a rating there. That would really help me a lot. Well, you can find my book and my blog and my music all on my website, philsbaker.com. So I really want to encourage you to go there and you can contact me at email philsbaker.com. So if you have any questions about what you hear, please feel free to write me. Also, I want to tell you all about a podcast I really love called The Faithful Podcast with Stephanie Baker. She's my wife, and you can find it at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com, and uh, you can find it on iTunes. It's called The Faithful Podcast with Stephanie Baker. She's got a great interview coming up on the next episode with a lady named Lisa Robinson. It's just an incredible testimony of faithfulness through adoption. So please head over there and check out that interview. Like I said earlier, I'm blessed to be a part of the Fourth Watch Radio Network with Justin Fall, and I want to encourage you to go check out his show at fourthwatchradio.com, and uh, it's on iTunes and Spotify and all those uh, awesome players, so go check that out. And also my brother, BDK of Omega Frequency, you can find his show, Omega Frequency, at omegafrequency.com. Yeah, I just said it three times to keep it in your brain so you know where to go. Yeah, we do a monthly Q&A show called Ready With an Answer, where we answer a variety of topics about the Bible and life and ethics and stuff. So hit us up on our emails and we'll, we will be glad to answer those questions on our show. All right, without any further ado, here is episode 45, Trailers for the Main Attraction.
late October 2012, Stephanie and I started New Beginnings Bible Church out of our house. That church produced some of the most rewarding and challenging moments of my life, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. One of those rewarding moments occurred during the church's early stages as a small group of us gathered in my house one Saturday morning before heading out to do door-to-door prayer ministry in my neighborhood. I gave a short devotional from the book of Acts, and we, we began to pray for God's guidance and infilling of His Spirit. During that time of prayer, the Holy Spirit directed us to pray for one of our deacons, Terry, a middle-aged African-American man who is having a difficult time with his back. Terry has had back problems for more than two decades, but a recent re-injuring of that area had left him grimacing with the slightest movements and unable to concentrate of much on much of anything other than the pain. Terry said that on a pain scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the worst, his pain was around a 9. Deborah, a middle-aged Caucasian woman, had brought her five-year-old granddaughter that day, and we'll call her Sandra. We asked Sandra if she would ask Jesus to heal Terry's back, and she said, okay, but I don't know what to say. So we encouraged her to tell Jesus what she wanted him to do for Terry. She agreed. She put her hand on Terry's back and prayed, Jesus, please heal Terry's back. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we asked Terry where he was on the pain scale. He said he was better, maybe at a six, but he was still in discomfort. Perhaps Terry was being overly nice at this point for the kiddo's sake. He's really a good guy, you know? Well, I felt led to try a different strategy. I asked Terry when was the last time he was able to touch his toes while keeping his knees straight. He said it was more than 20 years ago. So I asked him to stand up and try it. He gave it a shot, but he couldn't reach his kneecaps. So I asked Sandra if she would pray for Terry once more, asking Jesus to heal him, and she obliged. Terry was able to extend about halfway down his shins, and his pain lowered to a two on the scale. So we asked Sarah to pray one final time for Jesus to heal Terry completely. She did, and Terry touched the floor with no pain. Praise God. Terry, Deborah, and Sandra then went out as a group to do the door-to-door prayer ministry and saw God reach many people with the testimony of what had just transpired. A Hispanic middle-aged woman broke down in tears as they prayed for her and thanked them for being the exact help she needed at the exact right time. What an awesome picture of the gospel of the kingdom of God and how the power of God can bring people together. Well, in light of this story, I need to address some questions about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What is the nature of the gifts? What are the purposes of the gifts? What is the duration of the gifts? Can people only have one gift? And finally, how can we discover our gifts? 
we will begin with a listing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in three of Paul's letters. Note that there is some overlap of gifts in this passage in these passages. So first, Romans 12 verses 6 through 8 list these gifts: prophecy, service, teaching, encouraging or exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 11 and 27 through 31, we find these gifts: a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, the effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing or discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, and administrations. Finally, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, we find these gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. As you read these lists, you may have felt one of your personal gifts was left out. Why wasn't musician or handyman or painter, athlete or writer on the list? Well, the answer to that question is found in the second question we posed. What is the nature of the gifts? Well, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, the simple answer is, is there is a difference between the physical gifts God gives to all people at their birth and the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives to those who receive his Son by grace through faith. So, what are the purposes of the spiritual gifts? In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, Paul says that they are, quote, "...for the building up of the body of Christ." Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This means God has given several of the gifts for the purpose of helping grow the church to become more like Christ. But that's not all. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, Paul also wrote, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The, quote, common good means the welfare of everyone in the world, not just Christians. Therefore, spiritual gifts are not only given to build up the church, but also to impact the world in a positive way for the glory of God. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, a college group I was leading felt led to do a water bottle ministry every Saturday at a large park in our hometown. The park was filled with thousands of walkers and joggers every day, but especially on Saturdays. We would bring about 100 ice-down bottles of water in coolers and ask passers-by if they would like a free bottle of water. If they agreed, we would come alongside them, hand them the water, 
and ask if there was anything we could pray for them about. If they declined the prayer, we would say, God bless you, and go back passing out water. If they asked for prayer, we would ask if we could pray for them right then. They could continue to walk, jog, or stop. We would pray with them however they felt comfortable. They didn't even have to close their eyes. Then, we would begin to pray as God led us. God did many miraculous things through that ministry, and we established some good relationships with both Christians and non-Christians. Before we would go out, we would meet at the church for a brief devotional and prayer time. During one of those times, as we were praying for the folks we would encounter, a picture suddenly flashed into my mind. I saw a fit, blonde woman in blue athletic attire who had body image issues. And then the picture was gone. This kind of thing didn't happen every day at all. And so I cautiously shared the vision with the others. And we asked God to bless the woman and demonstrate his love to her. Well, we arrived at the park and God blessed many people. However, after about an hour of passing out water and praying for folks, no blonde woman in blue had come my way. And I was starting to become downcast as there was only one bottle of water left. But then, seemingly out of nowhere, the woman came walking right toward me. I asked if she'd like some water, and she gladly accepted. Then I asked her if there's anything I could pray for her about. She looked me in the eye, then looked away, and said, Peace. I asked, Would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? And she agreed. So I thanked God for his great love for her, for his faithfulness to his word, and that he is near to the humble. I thanked him that she was humbling herself right then and believing in the power of prayer. I then asked God to demonstrate his nearness to her. I asked that she would stop trying to find peace in the things of this world like beauty, wealth, and human approval. I asked that she would be healed from the fear that people would reject her. I asked that she would come to believe in the depths of her soul that the one who truly sees her as she is, the one who knows her best, loves her most, and demonstrated that love by sending his son to die and rise again for her. I prayed that the Lord of peace would give her his peace at all times and in every way. When I closed the prayer, she was in tears, but she was smiling. She asked how I knew how to pray that, and I told her that God knew her completely and was giving her a sign that his way for her was the best and that he would be with her through whatever changes he was calling her to make and that he was giving her a sign to believe in Jesus. She walked away overjoyed, knowing the Lord of heaven and earth cared immensely about her and loved her more than she had ever realized. Now, so far, 
we've addressed what are the gifts of the Spirit and what is the nature of the gift and what are the purposes of the gift. To some, the next question may seem unnecessary, but to others, it may be critical. The question is, what is the duration of the gifts? Did some of them cease with the death of the first 12 apostles, or do they continue to this day? Well, let's begin with a passage in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read it for you. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Peter quotes a prophecy from Joel that says, All flesh, all who are born again, will experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. He says those days have now arrived. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, the author backs up Peter's words when he writes that God, quote, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And the apostle John takes things a step further when he writes in 1 John chapter 2, verses 8, verse 18, children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. And from this, we know that it is the last hour. Peter says, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for the last days. And the writer of Hebrews says that we are in the last days. John says that we're in the last hour. It seems logical, therefore, to deduce that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. However, there is an even better scriptural argument showing the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue to this day. One of the main texts people use to show that the gifts have ceased is 1 Corinthians 13. This is the famous love chapter often used at weddings. But interestingly, if you read the chapter in context with chapters 12 and 14, it really isn't about marriage, but rather the practice of the spiritual gifts. Also, about half of the chapter itself deals with those gifts. So let's take a look at the section of this chapter that causes the controversy. 
This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Now clearly, Paul is saying gifts will cease, but the issues are when they will cease and why they will cease. Some think several of the major gifts were just for the original 12 apostles and ceased when they died. Some think they ceased because the church put together the canon of Scripture. They say that when the Bible was put together, the, quote, perfect came, so there was no need for many of the spiritual gifts. Well, of course, the, the New Testament records deacons such as Stephen and Philip doing signs, wonders, and healings through the enabling of the Holy Spirit in Acts 6 and Acts 8. Furthermore, for those who believe the, quote, perfect Paul referred to is the Bible, it's clear that even though the Bible is, to is totally inspired by God, all its prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. It clearly points to a day when all things will be perfected. Think of it this way. When we have been given our new incorruptible bodies and God has wiped away every tear from our eyes, a gift of healing will no longer serve any purpose. When we can worship God around his throne in one holy language, the gifts of tongues and interpretations of tongues will no longer serve a purpose. When we can commune with God face to face and know fully, even as we are fully known, the gift of a word of knowledge will no longer serve a purpose. Likewise, the gift of effecting miracles, such as the casting out of demons, will have no purpose when Satan and his demons have been thrown into the lake of fire. Spiritual gifts are sort of like watching a trailer to a movie. A trailer is only a couple of minutes long and only gives you a taste of what the upcoming movie is about. You can know in part and see in part, but when the movie finally comes out, you are able to know and see fully. After Jesus comes back, the partial will be done away with. The early Christians wrote extensively about the gifts of the Spirit and were united in declaring that they had not ceased. Irenaeus, a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John, wrote this in 180 AD. The Lord raised the dead, and the apostles did so by the means of prayer. And this has been frequently done in the brotherhood on account of some necessity. When the entire church in that particular locality entreated God with much fasting and prayer, the spirit of the dead man has returned, and he has been bestowed in answer to the prayers of the saints. Those who are truly his disciples, receiving grace from him, perform works in his name, 
in order to promote the welfare of others according to the gift that each one has received from him. Some truly and certainly cast out devils. The result is that those who have been cleansed from evil spirits frequently both believe and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions and they utter prophetic expressions. Still others heal the sick by laying their hands upon them, and the sick are made whole. What is more, as I have said, even the dead have been raised up and remain among us for many years. What more can I say? It is not possible to name the number of the gifts which the church throughout the whole world has received from God in the name of Jesus Christ who was crucified under Pontius Pilate and which she exerts day by day for the benefit of the Gentiles, neither practicing deception upon any nor taking any reward from them. For just as she is received without charge from God, so so does she minister without charge." Calling upon the name of our Lord Jesus, she has worked miracles for the benefit of mankind and not to lead them into error. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ even now confers benefits. It cures thoroughly and effectively all who anywhere believe on him. Remember that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 through 13, Paul said God gave the gifts to build up the body of Christ, quote, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So has the entire church around the world reached unity and maturity in Christ? If not, the gifts have not ceased. Now, what about the question as to whether we can only have one gift? Remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, Paul says, quote, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministry, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Evidently, The Holy Spirit can work any of the spiritual gifts in anyone at any time. However, Paul does later write in verses 29 through 30 that not everyone has the same gifts. Therefore, we can glean from this instruction that not everyone will see all of the gifts working in his or her life at the same time. I encourage you to do a study on the manifestations of the spiritual gifts in the life of the Apostle Paul. I have, and there's only one gift I don't see occurring in Paul's life. It's the interpretation of tongues. That's not to say he didn't, but that's the only one we can't see in Scripture. For the others, I can make a case that there was at least one occurrence, though many are demonstrated multiple times throughout his life. Believers in Jesus are capable of possessing multiple spiritual gifts, 
which is why Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, that we are to earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, finally, if multiple spiritual gifts are available to us, how do we discover those gifts? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples into various cities to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick and cast out demons. They followed his orders and had tremendous success. Later, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus called 72 other disciples and gave them similar instructions. Yet, he said nothing about casting out demons. Like the twelve, these were just ordinary people who were intent on following and being like Jesus. And this is what happened. Verses 17 through 20 of chapter 10. The Seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Now, Jesus had told them in advance that they would at least be blessed with the spiritual gift of healing in verse 9. However, as they went out in faith for the sake of the kingdom of God, they discovered that they had been blessed with the spiritual gift of the effecting of miracles. They were able to cast out demons in the authority and power of Jesus' name. And the same principle is true for us. As we take risks for the kingdom of God and live by faith in situations where we must depend on God's power, He empowers us through His Spirit to accomplish the tasks He has laid out for us. I'd like to share one more story to bring this point home. Mary and John are incredibly faithful members of the church that I used to pastor. And John is also my father-in-law. They were partners one Saturday on one of our door-to-door prayer outreaches. That morning, we had our usual devotion and prayer time before going out. We prayed that God would manifest himself to the people we would encounter so that they would know he is real. He loves them, his gospel is true, and they can trust him in making whatever changes he is calling them to make. One of the first houses Mary and John came to was owned by a Spanish-speaking woman who didn't know any English. Although Mary is Hispanic, she only speaks and understands a little Spanish. However, as the woman spoke, she began to understand her perfectly and was able to communicate fluently in Spanish with her. The woman invited Mary and John inside and told them that she hadn't spoken with her adult son in several years. And she asked if they would pray for her and for her son. They knelt with the woman and prayed for the woman and her son, with Mary still speaking completely in Spanish. The woman thanked Mary and John for the prayers, and they left to continue going door to door. About five minutes later, the woman drove up beside them in her car 
waving her cell phone and shouting with a huge smile on her face. Almost immediately after Mary and John had left the woman's house, her son had called and they had begun to reconcile. I'm not sure if Mary has spoken or been able to interpret an unknown tongue since, but as she went out to work for the kingdom of God, he gifted her to accomplish his assignment. It's true that spiritual gifts are only the partial and not the full. They are the trailer, not the movie. A healed person will eventually get sick again. Even Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, eventually died again. Therefore, we should take Jesus' advice not to rejoice in the spiritual gifts in and of themselves, but rather in what Jesus did to make us sons and daughters of the King of Kings. One final point we must not miss is that when Jesus saw his disciples doing the works he did, he was overwhelmed with joy. Luke 10, 21 says, He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Well, don't you want to make Jesus rejoice today? May you be like those 72 disciples and have the faith of a child, believing that everything Jesus and the apostles did is what Jesus wants to do through you. May you take great risks of faith for the kingdom of God, discover many spiritual gifts, and play an active role in destroying the works of the devil. And may you, through the Holy Spirit, be a light to the nations, open blind eyes, and bring out those who dwell in darkness from the prison. God bless you. Nothing